In the Exchange Invest Weekly, Issue 26 sees us celebrating a six-month milestone in podcast terms. But of course, it's been seven long years with Exchange Invest Newsletter every day. What we're looking for today, December the 20th. It's a Friday, the last Friday before Christmas. Indeed, the last Friday before Hanukkah as well. And of course, for those of you who aren't celebrating either, the new year is looming. Welcome to our last weekly review of the bourse business of this year. My name is Patrick L. Young, founder of Exchange Invest, the daily newsletter of the Bourse Business. Thanks for joining this podcast. Episode number 26, our weekly review coming up to December the 20th. And what a week it's been, even as we were approaching the end of year slowdown. No major deals as such, but one major non-deal. Euroclear have delayed their decision on their sale of a stake. As you'll recall, Euroclear, the CSD in Europe, that's pretty much a duopoly alongside Clearstream. They have been looking for some time at some sort of a market exit, possibly even an IPO strategy. However, it seems that either within the management or within the 62 or there or thereabouts, different shareholders they have amongst financial infrastructure players and particularly European-based banks, there has been some form of backroom bickering or indecision amongst management, perhaps those seven tiers of Belgian management for which Euroclear is so famous, and a fair amount of rancour, one would imagine, In terms of my argument for the future of Euroclear, I've long said it's going to be a Vienna Congress settlement, which is going to find the future way forward for this business. Looks as if that could be coming up. Certainly, this is a story that's going to run and run in 2020. One stake acquisition, bourse to bourse this week, Zagreb Bourse. Of course, they already own the Ljubljana exchange within the Yugosphere, the former Yugoslavia. The Croatian exchange have also now acquired a 5.3% stake in the Macedonian stock exchange. Very interesting altogether to see how Ivana Gazic's business has been expanding over the years, as well as, of course, being a prime mover in the SEE Connect enterprise, which was part financed by the European Bank for Reconstruction Development, the EBRD. Elsewhere, the options exchange company Miami International, they've signed a letter of intent to acquire a stake in Midchains, which is another one of those blockchain cryptocurrency thingies. Elsewhere, the Bourse of Malaysia, they're revising their listing rules to support the national anti-corruption agenda. Let's face it, of course, that 1MDB thing, that's been a bit of a fiasco all round for Malaysia in recent years, causing a huge change of government and the return, of course, of Dr. Mahathir Mohamad, who was in retirement for many's a good year. At least, if nothing else, I'm excited because I wrote an article about this time 20 years ago for the FIA monthly magazine talking about how the world would look in 2020. And I actually talked about how Dr. Mohamed would still be the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Well, at least I got something right in that particular look to the future. However, there was also a great headline. I have to admit, a pause for breath when the Wall Street Journal alert blinked on my screen Thursday evening. It said, Goldman Sachs in talks to admit guilt. Gosh, I thought this could take all of the combined hours of Christmas, Hanukkah and any other festivities looming. Not just the New Year that we're looking towards on the 1st of January, but in fact all other New Years right up to probably the Iranian one in the middle of Q1, if not beyond. If we were to listen to solely these admissions of guilt by Goldman Sachs, it sounded like such a wonderful cleansing process beyond anything ever considered during a solstice. But at that point in time, the next line appeared. And therefore, the whole headline ran, Goldman Sachs in talks to admit guilt 
and pay $2 billion fine to settle the one MDB probe. Oh well, at least something, I suppose, has been sorted. Albeit, of course, presumably Goldman's won't be admitting any guilt to anything. They're just paying the $2 billion to be nice to the Malaysian government for whatever reason it is, allegedly. Anyway, in other news this week, we also had a fascinating story from the USA where the New York State Attorney General didn't manage to pin the blame on Exxon for what the claimant said was climate fraud, i.e. running effectively a publicly listed oil company. It was a dubious precedent, and it has been avoided, at least for now, when the court threw the entire claim out. Elsewhere, progressive Europe, Uber was banned in Germany after a court ruling. Having said that, it was already a mere booking service for existing taxis anyway in some places, such as Berlin, which merely added to the cost of the ride and removed much of the consumer advantage that there is to the Uber process. And let's face it, if there's one process in the entire world where we have to thank our lucky stars for gullible investors spending huge amounts of money in order to manage to make taxi services cheaper for the rest of us, that definitely amounts to those people who've invested in Uber. Elsewhere, in big world, the Congress couldn't decide in the United States of America to hand over their papers to impeach the Trumpy one because, well, actually, who cares? The US House's approach of petulance over politics is not remotely befitting a mature democracy. It wastes government resources. It's a grandstanding nonsense. In fact, it's almost as if the Democrats want to gift Potos a second term. I wonder who the Russians really are sponsoring in this next election. Actually, frankly, I would have thought the Russians would be able to be more productive if they were sponsoring something. QV, a fabulous sketch I saw this week, which was on Comedy Unleashed, where they were discussing whether or not the Russians were actually behind Brexit. I'll leave you to find that link in peace. Elsewhere, woof, in big world, peace on earth and goodwill to all. Well, hopefully that's coming soon. Back in the parish, banks based in London are pushing for a new EU access plan after the UK election. As you will recall, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, won an emphatic victory at the general election just a matter of days ago. One week and one day, as we record this podcast, in fact, with his 80-plus majority, with, in fact, the ability to run Parliament as he sees fit, thanks to the massive mandate that he was given by the Brexiteerian people of the United Kingdom, Therefore, suddenly we had an outbreak of pragmatism at all those often far too Ramona Wingy-centric London banks, as a great many of them are finally trying to come to terms with having been absolutely useless at predicting the future for the past few years, particularly when it came to, say, referendums. And even when they've been living what's been going on around them for several years, they still didn't seem to get the gist that Brexit was going to happen. So now what they're doing is actually a very logical process of trying to cut back on the access that they seek. They're not looking at retail access to the European banking market per se, but the ability to offer wholesale financing. Frankly, that is all but impossible for the European Union to refuse. Of course, they're going to drag their feet, they're going to negotiate, they're going to stomp, they're going to throw their toys out of the pram, because that's the way the EU negotiates. But the simple truth is, the euro debt machine, masquerading as the European Union's euro currency, which was 20 years old this year, which was quite an achievement, it managed to even see its way through its 20th birthday. Perhaps it may not make 21 all the same. Anyway, the truth is, the euro debt machine needs all the help it can get from London's wall of money. That's why this deal looks plausible. And indeed, the activity this week of the UK government, where there has been actually genuine an outbreak of government in the UK for the first time in a decade or more has been very interesting. They've said, full stop, drop dead, end of December 2020, that's when we're going to have a deal, or no deal, as the game show might go, of trade agreement with the European Union. Of course, the European Union's apoplectic because that just doesn't suit their time frame because their time frame is always 
about 15 years ahead and then kick it down the road a bit and then give it another five years and possibly five years longer. And actually, there was a brilliant speech suddenly reappeared this week, which was from 1992, just after the ERM crisis in the UK, where Mrs. Thatcher was talking about the problems that were coming up for the European Union. It is sensationally prescient. It's the sort of prescient speech that actually the euro-loving, eurocentric banks that are based in London simply have proven incapable of seeing when it comes to looking towards the future, even in the course of a time frame of the last few years or so. Back in the marketplace, Nasdaq have posed an interesting new stock tick regime, very well worth looking at, and it certainly needs to be tested in the US stock market to see what happens. Elsewhere, Lee Oleski, the TradeWeb CEO, has been saying all digital trading is simply a question of when, not if. Of course, it's interesting to look at the bond trading business because that's accelerated in terms of its all electronic access just in the course of the last few years. But at the same time, it has been actually quite incredible how many of the people that were looking to electronify the bond market were actually doing so 20 years ago. It has been a long, long time coming, but certainly the time for electronic bond markets is now. Over in New Zealand, some activist or other was complaining that New Zealand exchange directors should consider repaying the cost of a trip to New York. Hmm, not sure whether he was jealous because the NZX didn't get the air miles, but at the same time it does seem to be, well, given the biggest problem I see in exchanges and indeed parish-related bodies is a closed-minded attitude with little desire to learn. We think sending a wadge of folks from New Zealand to the headquarters of NASDAQ for multiple opportunities to spend quality time in Times Square, see and learn all about everything including technology and how markets work at the pointy end of the field is no bad thing. One round of investment completed this week. The Nigerian commodity exchange platform Afex clinched investment from Consonance, concluding their fundraising programme. Elsewhere, in Israel, the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange are eyeing measures to boost liquidity. They've had quite a stellar year, actually, haven't they? I mean, they looked to be pretty much junk status only a couple of years ago. All of a sudden, with the injection of new capital and new ideas and new momentum from overseas, particularly from those Australian pair who used to be directors of the ASX until they had a bit of a kerfuffle with the SEC a number of years ago, it's really been an incredible result for the Tel Aviv Exchange, which looks to have amazing momentum going into 2020. Over at the Bombay Stock Exchange, they have signed a deal with IHS Market to develop a new bond valuation service. In Cumex, more bankers facing trial, more people being accused, lots of messy stuff to come. And still, it seems to be never-ending that weird, wacky situation. In terms of sale of the week, that must fall to the Hong Kong Exchange's boss, Charles Lee. He pocketed a handy 21.4 million US dollars, the first sale of his Hong Kong Exchange's stake since he joined the company in 2009. All the best to him and congratulations on what's been a quite remarkable period in office running the Hong Kong Exchange's group. Aquas Exchange, they announced that they've got a slight delay to the next acquisition. They're still trying to get the paperwork signed off by the FCA. And the Belgrade Stock Exchange organised a ceremonial event to mark their 125th anniversary. Another round of investment, CI Capital, they've contributed to the forthcoming startup Egyptian Commodity Exchange. Meanwhile, the Malawi Stock Exchange was calling on local entrepreneurs to list their companies. 
little bit of shuffling in the world of crypto bourses. Binance have taken a minority stake in the crypto derivatives exchange FTX. And Blade Crypto Derivatives Exchange, they garnered some headlines by announcing zero trading fees. Very exciting stuff, given the fact that cryptocurrency is usually very expensive to deal in. But of course, it transpires that actually there's a catch, and it's called a $10 per month subscription model if you actually want to enter orders. In People News this week, some talk that Jeffrey Sprecher may be scaling back his civic roles as his wife, Kelly Loeffler, heads to the Senate. In some ways, I think that can only be even better news for the shareholders of Intercontinental Exchange if Jeff is going to be concentrating absolutely flat out on the ice business going forward. Meanwhile, over at the London Stock Exchange, there was some discussion earlier in the week that proved to be slightly wrong. The bit that was correct in the Financial Times was that Chris Carrado was going to be departing the business and on his retirement, he's going to be replaced by the man who recently came from TPI Cap, that hired David Shalders, who was also previously at RBS and is apparently a technology specialist. He was hired to oversee the integration of Refinitiv. But in fact, he's now going to become Chief Information Officer. I think it's the LSE Stalingrad moment, frankly. It's the sort of concentration of powers that doesn't really make sense. No disrespect to the clearly capable Mr. Shalders, but either Group CEO David Schwimmer always wanted Mr. Shalders to replace the departing Chris Carrado, so therefore the Refinitive Integration job was just a straw man front, or the LSEG just aren't taking the upcoming Refinitive Integration nightmare remotely seriously. Time will tell. One of the smaller exchanges in Australia, of which there are, of course, many, the Sydney Stock Exchange have announced a new CEO. All the best to Michael Goh. Good news for Terry Duffy this week. The CME have extended his contract and added to his bonus. In Ghana, Eko Afedzi, he has been confirmed as the new managing director of the Ghana Stock Exchange. He has, of course, been acting as MD since the 1st of August 2019 after Kofi Yamoa retired. The biggest job news of the week, though, was the confirmation of Andrew Bailey, the head of the FCA, as the next governor of the Bank of England. Very interesting for the parish, given Bailey's previous involvement and understanding of exchanges, both at the bank originally and indeed at the FCA as well. And it has to be said, good riddance to the ghastly virtue-signalling blobster Mark Carney. Perhaps the worst nitpicking interventionist political governor in history of the Bank of England, who disgraced his office with his political interventions and utterly erroneous scaremongering about Brexit. Andrew Bailey has got the job as governor of the Bank of England because, partly, he believes in Brexit. And that's a great start, ladies and gentlemen, driving Britain forward in a brave new world. In regulation news, Kay Swinburne, the former MEP from the UK, sparked some, frankly, very worrying news. She said Brexit is ultimately going to spark MIFID 3. Well, actually, I suppose it's bad news for Europe. Couldn't be better news for the likes of the City of London if it's therefore going to be escaping the shackles of the worst of European Union regulation, which of course includes the complete farce, which is MIFID 2. Indeed, what better news could there be for the City of London than another round of regressive regulation from the EU27? At the same time, European authorities were being urged to rethink fintech regulation. Clear proof, once again, that the precautionary principle amongst the EU remains a problem. Speaking of the precautionary principle, we did get a little bit of progress towards the end of the week. It sounds as if we're finally on the way towards a pan-European crowdfunding regulation. Hooray! Only, what, seven years after 
pretty much everybody else managed to get their act together with the business of crowdfunding. When you can't manage to organise something that's actually pretty simple, such as a crowdfunding regulation, and when you are actually in the middle of a process called Capital Markets Union, it does leave you to consider just how disorganised the European Union has become of late, which really is a tragedy for the decaying economies of Western Europe, and indeed some in Eastern Europe too. Elsewhere, ESMA have proposed strengthening rules to address undue short-termism in securities markets. Hmm, ESMA are now therefore opening an arb of Pandora's box dimensions for the rest of the market's players. Over in the SEC in the USA, they're proposing to allow more investors greater access to private companies. Good news for investment all round, but I'm not sure that that's the right sign once again to be showing to the public markets. Elsewhere, AFME, FIA, ICMA, ISDA and the ISLA have to be applauded. They've published a master regulatory reporting agreement. Great news, although albeit at the same time, it's quite shocking that the likes of the World Federation of Exchanges demonstrate just how redundant they've become in recent years because they aren't even involved in the process. It says a lot about which are the most dynamic of the organisations that exist in the world of the bourse business these days. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In technology, the New Zealand Stock Exchange halted all trading activity for a day or so this week, as did Malaysia, both of them having some, at the time of going to pith, unclear technological problems that meant the markets simply didn't work. Elsewhere, the Bank of England was actually involved in quite an interesting scandal. It appears that a vendor was running a parallel to its video feed, an audio feed, and that audio feed was being allowed to run just absolutely live a few seconds ahead of the video feed, thus enabling some customers to manage to get a slight heads up on what the Bank of England was doing. The vendor remains unnamed, but we expect they're going to be on the naughty boy step very, very soon. And clearly, despite the fact that presumably this involved the FCA ultimately as well, that has not precluded the FCA head being promoted to become the governor of the Bank of England. That's a story that's probably going to run and run into next year as we unravel the tale of just who was offering slightly too low latency data to the market. Of course, This weekly bulletin would not exist if we didn't have LIBOR to talk about, apart from all sorts of manifestations of discussions, of worry, of concern, of drama, and everybody getting terribly stressed as they try to work out just what is actually going to be taking place in the future of the business of interest rate benchmarks itself. We had the global regulator, IOSCO, ratcheting up pressure on banks and markets to ditch LIBOR. At the same time, the Wall Street Journal reported the Fed's LIBOR replacement would shackle small banks. Equally, the CFTC, they are trying to help. They're providing some relief to market participants transitioning away from LIBOR. Curve Global, the London competitor platform, part of the London Stock Exchange Group, 
they've actually gone out and asked the members. They're seeking to know what the market thinks in a consultation on the future of LIBOR. No bad idea. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. And at that juncture, ladies and gentlemen, after some 251 issues of the Daily Bulletin of the Bourse Business Exchange Invest this year, and, well, getting on for circa half a million words, it's feeling festive around the offices of Exchange Invest, or perhaps we're just feeling exhausted. The news flow is certainly drying up, and as is our want, I intend to suspend, please, you're next, no sneaky bids, unless force majeure hits us, brackets, again, please, you're next. No, sneaky bids. The regular daily news missives. Normal service, usual optimization factors on what can ever be deemed normal will apply. And this will resume with a service called the Update Issues on Tuesday the 7th of January, as Exchange Invest is not alone in having, well, an epiphany on Monday the 6th of January. At least that's the plan. Meanwhile, don't ignore the daily investor feed if you happen to be a paid-up subscriber to Exchange Invest, as there will be a few missives through the holiday season. Fortunately, we've managed to subcontract some elves who have defected from the apparently poor elf and safety, sorry, conditions of Mr. Santa Claus's northern workshops. Some say they're a horrible sweatshop, but who am I to judge? Whether you're celebrating everything or nothing over the next few weeks, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of myself and the team that brought you 251 issues of Exchange Invest this year already, plus 26 podcasts, including this one, we wish you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, or indeed Happy Holidays if you are very PC, American, or just plain dumb about the nexus of history and mythology. Fortunately, the Thought Police don't restrict the next salutation, albeit some folks with diverging calendars may deem it premature as a wish. But in that case, at least it will soon be pertinent enough. Ladies and gentlemen, to you all, I wish you a very happy, healthy, peaceful and prosperous New Year. And let's take one final snippet of a story. Not right in the Bourse business, but very interesting. Over in Montreal, the SPVM has created a safe space for online traders to meet. So in other words, ladies and gentlemen, in this electronic marketplace that is eBay, that is Craigslist, and hundreds and thousands of different ways in which people transact electronic commerce, far removed, but nonetheless the country cousins of our Bourse business, it's interesting to see how people are working towards trust condition in electronic markets. In this case... In the centre of Montreal, right outside a 24-7 police station, you'll be able to exchange money and goods at any hour of the day and night. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, on the basis of trust, once again, a very happy, peaceful and prosperous New Year to you all. Wishing you great health and indeed a great week and next year a great year in markets. Thank you for listening. My name is Patrick L. Young. We'll catch up in the near future with the next edition of the Exchange Invest Weekly. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. 
Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.